0: I'm Cindy. And I'm Dale. You can watch us on YouTube. You can like and comment on our YouTube videos and subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can support us on Anchor. You can listen to us everywhere podcasts are found at 16mm Film Crew Podcasts. Leave us a rate and review. And visit us on our website at ww.16mmfilmcrew.com. So happy Halloween, everyone. Um happy O'Halo's Eve if you celebrate. Um we watched Wendell and Wilde 2022. So here is your synopsis. The two devious demon brothers, Wendell and Wilde, have to face their archenemy with the help of the nun, Sister Helly, who was notorious for expelling demons. However, the brothers are not only plagued by her, but also by her altar boys? oh okay um this movie stars jordan peele keegan michael key angela bassett Larry Gross, and james hong and it is directed by henry selick who i believe also directed coraline yes so Dale, you got your thoughts on this film
1: um i thought it was a beautifully done movie um the subject matter it does it is the 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 like Keegan Peels for Keegan Peele, Jordan Peel he's known for putting like somewhat serious real world subject matter in all his subject in all his um properties and projects um um but I feel like this one was really done tastefully in a way um you know on the new CEO of Disney kind of said animation isn't for adults but I feel like this movie is actually more for adults, than it is for kids to say, per se. Now that it's like a heavy hitting movie, but the subject matter they're talking about and the way they deliver it, I feel like the messaging tends to lean towards more the adults and children. Children will enjoy it, but I feel like the topics in this movie, adults will key in on it really, really seriously.
0: Mm. um I was not a fan of this movie. No. I watched this movie with my best friend. Shout out to Joy. You're probably not watching this, but (laughs) hello. Um, We watched it together and we both had the same reaction of like, what? Mm -hmm. And I think that's because... That's because there was a lot going on in this film. And I feel like nothing was fully fleshed out all the way. And also, I think with like animated films, even if they are skewed a little older, like for maybe an older audience, the story is or at least should be rather simplistic, like Mm -hmm. and I just felt like there was just so much going on. And not that you can't understand and pick up on it, but I just I was like, wait, why did this happen? And why did decision like what was this character's motivation for that? Like, we don't I didn't feel like I knew really what was going on. And I felt like they tried to package like a lot of important subject matter like the prison industrial system and, you know, how foster care and childcare, like how that is corrupt. And, Mm. you know, people kind of doing things only for their self interest or to keep their businesses going. Um, And I just felt like all of that was like very packed in. And then you had a protagonist in the character of Kat who was just like, like she's dealing with grief. And then I guess the demons are like a metaphor for the grief that she's dealing with. But I just felt like I didn't really feel like she kind of felt a little one note to me, is what I'm really saying. And then also the subplot with the actual demons and their whole situation that's going on in hell and then coming up to the earth. And then you're like, okay, well, what are the rules for this kind of interdimensional like (laughs) situation? Like we can bring some people back with this. Magic hair gel. I was like, really? Like, that's the best we can come up with. I don't know. I felt disappointed because I'm like, this is Jordan Peele. Like, I don't understand why. <laughs> I don't understand why this felt like kind of a mess because it's Jordan Peele who's behind this and also um, Henry who did Coraline. Like, one of the best animated films to come out of, like, the last. I don't You know what I'm saying? I'm like, and I think that's one thing with animation that you should expect is just really good world building and stories that are simple, but feel you can feel super invested in really quickly. And I just felt like this, it just didn't deliver in the, in things that I expected from these people being a part of it. I'm like, you don't have all these great people being a part of this and then have so much, just things just didn't make sense to me. Like I was like, what is this? Why are we doing this? I don't, I can't explain it in any better way without getting into it, but I just felt like
1: I felt duped. I don't know. <laughs> That's how I, I felt. I I, felt duped. I I feel opposite of it. I feel like the movie was really done, really well done. I think, um, of course, I do think the storyline of you know, uh, Wendell and, Wendell and Wild, you know, uh, Keegan Michael Key and Jordan Peele's characters, I do feel like they were pushed in into the service to expand. The thematic things of you know parents in relationship to their children and that kind of thing um i do feel like the only character or situation i do feel was really odd was raul and um and their um their art project suddenly somehow being revealed of a child protecting their uh parent protecting their child from harm um, that kind of just came out of nowhere, and it's kind of like one of those checkoff McGuffin, magical McGuffin things where you talk about the McGuffin, you have to reveal the McGuffin at the end, and I feel like it doesn't, it wouldn't make any sense because if it's this giant art project and the snow melts, no, and since there's no one in the town, no one will be able to, no one's going to go, oh, I love my town, I'm going to go to the overlook and look at my town, no one really would have seen that image. So I feel like that that mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. part, like Rules part, really made um that whole tying into the you know the the main um demon whose controls on Wendell and Wild being his sons and that kind of thing and him coming to the realization oh parent protecting the child and him doing a complete one eighty like a seven finger. I feel like that part was like really lacking. I feel like they could have came to that conclusion without having raw wool's um are not are not rules, but yeah the, the delivery and the way they set up the whole reveal of Rose art project i feel like that was really mm-hmm. mishandled because this man's going on people's houses randomly and spray painting and everything like no one's. i understand the town part of the town is abandoned but you're going to go on some people's houses and I, and I know in real life if a random person even goes into an abandoned house the cops are going to come out of nowhere so mm-hmm. that kind of thing um mm-hmm. But I do, I do feel like it, I don't think the the story. Cat, like my thing though at cat is I do feel like she's kind of one note. Which, in. so you agree with me on that? No, I do agree <laughs> with you. Yeah, I do agree with you. Somewhere. I do agree she's one note, but there's a real reason to her being one note. Like the core of the movie is, like you said, is the whole prison industrial complex is going over to school to prison pipeline, or even mm-hmm. the Claxons talk about. Yeah, we're going to make it impossible for these students to succeed. And they go. the 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 government is going to send them to your school, and they're going to fail. And then, as adults, they're going to go to our system. That would be all make money. Um, but I do feel like you know the whole situation of you know Cat and her, oh, uh, you know her, you know, getting I guess revenge on a bully and her cost her going to the jury System. Um, there is a reason why she is one note because a lot of those kids in the system are disenfranchised, and so they they don't really have a sense of self-worth and they're kind of like well if this is the way you think i am i'm going to be this person." And it comes a self-fulfilling prophecy anyway so that's the reason why she is one note i do feel like they kind of did it too heavy-handed because not heavy-handed but i do think there could have been a better way as the person helping her realize a she needs to like Forgive herself. Like her parents who told her when they came back, it was not your fault. It was an accident, and she still refused to do that. But somehow, when the nun tells her, "Hey, you need to control your memories," somehow, in the nun saying control your memories, she somehow now forgives herself in that in that whole moment. And and it's weird because the only reason she trusted nun is because the, the nun is just saying, "Oh yeah, I'm a a hell maiden like you." There is no kind of like, "Oh, I understand your experience as a child." Like because she, even the nun herself even says the janitor dude they were like going around like blade and, and like killing killing demons what? and Excuse- she and he's still there just like yeah go ahead, go ahead go
0: ahead i just have that's what i'm saying no you can continue talking i'm just saying like what was
1: that like where did yeah. that come from what was that backstory like i think I, if, if you're going to introduce like the world but like you're saying like I do think if you're gonna introduce that element, there should have been a more cohesive done to it a way to do it. Like in the process, telling her to face her memories. And she's told everybody, Yeah, I killed my parents' parents like was one die. But none could have like had a heart to heart, like, look, I'm just like you, I'm a hell maiden. This man, I was working was only using me for my power, and blah blah blah. And I had to learn to have confidence and believe in myself. Like do something like that. Instead of just saying, control your memories, and then in controlling your memories, she come out like like you can't really control your memories like even though like like in, like okay yeah i'm i'm okay i remember when i did this oh man i'm mad at myself you don't honestly you don't really like it's it's a it's a real roundabout and a horribly structured way of kind of reconciling your experience as a, as a as a child you know it's kind of it's kind of done really poorly but like i think i do think beyond those missteps in the movie like the cohesive everything else does so they're not they're really those are like the only real two like plot plot gaps i feel in the movie that don't really make any sense cohesively um i i do kind of find it also weird that you know because the, the the day after her parents died the people who the people who said oh they totally know about building the prison they burned down the factory but they're somehow not able to buy said property and build the prison anyway i feel like that's that's weird because it's, it, it, yeah. There, there is like the story itself is still a good story, but they're like little inconsistencies that don't really make sense in a way. I get your thing Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> i <I'm laughs> I agree with you, but I still do feel like the some of its parts as a whole it's a really still wonderfully done movie. And Harry Cedric is one of those like, like he's, when you're doing claymation, stopover, he's that guy between Coraline, between this between um uh what what was it Um uh, Nightmare Before Christmas James the Giant Peach like he is that dude like he this is his element so yeah
0: okay so I I'm gonna speak to two the things that you said I think the first thing you said well here's well this is the thing so when I was watching the movie I felt like one of the main driving forces of Kat, right. Is like, she wants her parents back. Yeah, That's one of, that's the reason why she goes through all of this mess. Right. And then once she gets her parents back, she leaves and deals with another problem. And so the reunion that was like, she was building towards that doesn't even really get paid off fully because as soon as she's with her parents, there's an issue with Raul. So she has to go deal with that. And then she says that she doesn't want to, but her parents are like, no, do this. And then she's, she's gone and then so the parents aren't even the thing that is supposed to be the driving force of why she is the way she is why she's fighting for all this really like hard it doesn't even matter in the grand scheme of things because they're they're not really a part of the story other than being a driving force for her to you know do i wouldn't
1: i wouldn't even say they were a driving force because i think of in the movie they do say um Hey, we love the time we spent with you, but if you watch the movie, like they've only spent like really one scene with her when she found them at the house.
0: Right, like, so it's like really like
1: a lot of time they did spend with her.: But kids so... aren't, the thing is with that, with kids aren't going to notice that though. And adults: and are I, OK, kind of And so then that, well. that
0: speaks to another problem. Yeah. Who was the movie for?: Yeah, You see what I'm saying? So if yeah. it's for kids, then they might not notice it, and they'll just be like, yeah. okay, whatever. If it's for adults. Because, again, these themes are heavy themes, so I'm yeah. not really sure that this is for children. Yeah. You're going to notice stuff like that. You're going to no- know, that's what I'm saying. So through our perspective, because we're adults, watching this movie, it's like some things are just not adding up. Like some things just doesn't, like the way that um, Raul's mom is like, I guess, an investigator of the case of the fire, of the factory fire when they come to do the meeting to see like, um, all right, are we actually going to let these people take over? Dead people show up and she's like, okay, you know what? They got it. They, they have the right to vote, so they're, gonna, they're just going to take it. It's like, yeah. these people aren't alive, so what are you I talking mean, about? How like, does that make I, sense? I, I
1: do think like, but yeah, like there is an issue. Make
0: it make sense. It's that's sense. what I, that's I what know, I,
1: I get you. I get you. <laughs> I do think they're on Like, there is an issue in who the movie is for because some of those heavier-hitting themes, like the overall theme, the prison industrial complex, kids aren't going to get. But I don't don't think either group is going to really spend time and focus on the idea of... Like, adults are going to question, like, why are the zombies coming in? You guys are okay with the voting? Adults will question that. But I don't think adults... They're most adults. Like, we're going to focus on every single element of the movie. Average moviegoer, as we've seen with the With black out, it's not going to focus on those those minutia. They're going to just they're going to just watch it and they're not going to notice it. So like, I don't think kids are going to notice that she only spent like two minutes with her parents. I don't think adults are going to notice either. So I don't yeah, want to
0: even like discredit that because I just yeah. feel like
1: I agree. But it's, it's when still you're a kid, you who, is, be, who is the movie you don't...
0: Right, exactly. And it's like we don't know what kids are picking up. Like, they might be picking up more than we are assuming. Mm-hmm. Even if they don't know how to articulate what it is, they might feel like, okay, well, that might not make sense. Because I know I would, I would be thinking the same thing. I had, th- I have thought about these things when I was a kid. Not with this heavy subject matter, because there wasn't a movie out there like this when I was a kid. But, yeah. like, like, when you watch The Lion King and you see that, you know, Mufasa is dead, it's an obvious, like, you can feel, like, what it. Or you can see a representation of grief and what that looks like. Yeah. And you can internalize it even if you can't communicate as a child like what that actually means. So I'm saying like, even if this is for kids, I feel like they're still going to be able to pick up on stuff. So again, it's like, I don't know. I just feel like there are certain things like that final battle where they're trying to stop like these trucks from coming in and tearing things down. And the parents are like, fighting the trucks with snowballs. as oh, if that would actually do anything to stop the trucks to come and destroy the entire property. Like I just want yeah. when I, cause I watched this movie, but before last week I watched corpse bride and I'm going to talk about that in the weekly review and yeah. a movie like corpse bride is very simple, but extremely well done. So yeah. even the nightmare before Christmas love that film, but in that movie, it's like, okay, this kid is getting married to someone he doesn't know and then he finds out that he thought he really loves her but he's a klutz or whatever and so the people in that world that she comes from doesn't accept him and then he accidentally ends up marrying a dead woman the rules are very simple you want to go to earth you got to do this potion joint and you can go back to the to the life world or you know where people are the the land of the living Mm -hmm. You want to come back down? You have to say a few words and then you're back in the underworld. Very simple. You, un- you understand exactly how things work. Everything lines up within terms of like how things mo- go moving forward. So like if we see people from the underworld in real life, we know they took the potion and that's why they're here. The rules don't change. All of, you know, in terms of like the story plot as it continues to move forward, you understand exactly what the characters want. It's very clear. And I feel like in a movie like this, it should have been the same way. Like it should be very clear because you have people who know how to tell stories is what I'm saying. I feel like because we're all writing this high off of Jordan Peele because of Get Out and Nope and stuff like that. We're trusting him with everything and being like, you know what, you know exactly what you're doing and you're ooh we have a black main character and we have a trans character and we have a biracial character. And we're talking about the prison industrial system. And we're talking about, um, you know, we're talking about like single mothers and single parents and like kids who have lost parents and the welfare system and all that other stuff. We're talking about these deep topics. Oh, this is amazing. Yeah. And instead of like looking at the movie and being like, wait, hold on a second. That don't add up we're applauding it because it's talking about these issues and I feel like maybe we're maybe that's the bare minimum like maybe we're not asking enough from people who know how to do better that's how I feel
1: I know I, I I see your point and I and I think what I the reason I think I, I see it differently is because to your credit I do think 100% you are right. There's like there's too much movie. It's too overstuffed. It's, you know, the world building is lackluster. But I I think where I am coming from is I could I'm how should I say it? I'm in my critique of it. I'm kind of separating everything that doesn't work and, and kind of streamlining the core underpinning elements of the actual story and ignoring all the old stuff over old, old stuff so to you like to you like your your critique of it i would say is but i i think because i'm gauging it like still that schism of animation is for kids i'm kind of grading it the kid with. like if i was a child what would be my base point of understanding not taking the whole the whole you know the whole plate as it was as mm-hmm. it was. yeah
0: mm-hmm. and so, that's for, like listen if you like this movie you like the movie i'm not saying it's bad i'm just saying I didn't enjoy it because I felt like, you know what it is? It's the fact that there's so much good stuff in here to to what you're saying. Like, there's a lot of good material here to, like, work with. Yeah. And I just didn't feel like it was executed in the best way it could have to be, like, a really standout film in the line of a Coraline or A Nightmare Before Christmas or Corpus Bright, you know, stuff like, stuff like that. I, I feel like this could have been that. And maybe it still might be, because honestly, the, the, scores on, the scores of this movie are pretty high. So um, I, I'm in the minority here. But I, I'm just saying, like, in terms of these animated films that we really remember, I feel like this could have been that if it was just if we just spent more time on it. I feel like I don't know how long they spent. In production of this, well, of this
1: film, um, I know the movie but... based on the research. The movie was announced um November th- November 2015, and mm-hmm. then Netflix picked up the film March 2018, and okay. production was kind of started during the peak of the pandemic, like in 2020. So okay. all that stuff was being done remotely, and I do think the like like we we like during the pandemic there were a lot of movies that came out that probably wouldn't have. Come out that were wonderful I think the pandemic being the fact that it's stop motion, stop motion takes a lot more to do than traditional live action. I do think this project being done entirely remotely during the pandemic, like unlike I know, yes, Buzz Lightyear was done in a pandemic remotely, but with stop motion where you kind of do need people on set and that kind of mm-hmm. thing. And we already know how these work, a factory, So like, yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna keep massaging the story over and over and over and over again till you, till it's fine too, because Disney controls they have the option to push back and stuff that I don't think they have the opportunity with net with Netflix. I do think the pandemic probably did negatively affect the production and I think also a little bit of those story element process because I don't think they had the proper opportunity to network and, you know, say, you know, this this plot point in the story doesn't really feel well and stuff like that, and especially considering, thinking that time span, Jordan, P- Jordan Peele's also writing Nope and other projects as well. Mm-hmm. So I, I do mm-hmm. think he kind of handed the reins because it's a, this story is a short, is a short book written by Harry, but the book went up unpub- on published during that time span. So I think um. he kind of said, Harry, is your project. I trust you because you have this gift with this these stop motion animation properties and it's also your story to handle that predominantly while he does all the other projects so yeah i do think the pandemic is probably why this movie is kind of disjointed and blo- very bloated and they also mentioned they were going like they were in portland and it was also dealing coven a lot of a lot of the social stuff you we were dealing with. so i think it, like all those elements really kind of negatively affected the end product we got in this movie
0: yeah I will say the voice acting is wonderful I will yeah. say that I think James Hong was a standout for me I thought he was so good as was his father something oh uh,
1: he was father best or beast. best best yeah
0: yeah I thought he was so good. Jordan and Keegan are obviously great at this stuff. Like Angela Bassett was great. Larry who plays cat was great. Um, I love Siobhan. Siobhan and the goat were my faves. So like there were moments and then there were, it was also funny. So like there were moments I definitely laughed and stuff, but I think that was great. I thought the animation was really good too. So if you like this movie, it's fine. I'm just saying like, yeah. Because Jordan, Jordan did, he I think he he either produced, he did something, because he wrote it, he co-wrote it, but he also did something else with it. Did he direct it too? Did he co-direct it?
1: um No, he didn't direct, Henry directed it. It was just, no.
0: yeah, it was just Henry yeah. who directed it. He co-wrote it yeah. and starred in it. I don't know. I'm also feeling like maybe this is just the year where I'm, I don't know, cause like after there's been a couple of movies where everyone's like this is an incredible film, and then I watch it and I'm like, I don't know if I see what you're seeing. So maybe it's just me.
1: <laughs> and my thing is also you have to under I also understand that you know at a certain point you know all the projects Keegan was involved with you know both him and not uh, Keegan but um, Jordan Peel Keegan at that time they were. Like when this movie was kind of in pre production of production that he was acting in Keanu. That was 2016. Directed Get mm-hmm. Out 2017. Um his company was the main was one of the production companies behind Black Towns Clansmen. He did Us. Mm-hmm. Uh, was working with Nikki Nicki Nicosta on Keggy Man, had Nope and Honk or uh, Honk for Jesus and this movie this year, through those three movies. And he also had, you know, of course the tail end of the show, him and Keke, um him and um, uh, Kiki michael Key, you know, their, their show on Comic Central, that was like, 2015 was the last year of their show. Then he had the last OG um that show. Then he had um, I guess the Twilight Zone stuff he was doing with CBS. So he had a lot of projects going on when this movie was being done. So there was, and of course, um, I think um, Lovecraft uh, Country as well. So he had a lot remember, of projects. Going. That. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So there was always going to be at least one project. And like, let's be honest, it's not, it's still good, but that present he had set with all those projects, there was always going to be a project that's, that came up that was going to be a letdown. And, I, and it's, it's sad to say that it ended up being the animated property. So
0: Yeah, maybe that's just it. I think I expect
1: so much of
0: him, and maybe I need to just take it down a couple of notches. <laughs> I'll do that. <laughs> I'll
1: take it down um okay no, still ex- i still expect greatness from him and his production company but yes there was mm-hmm. eventually in this in this five-year window of all this work there was gonna be one approach that didn't pan out so yeah
0: yeah okay well final thoughts ratings
1: um no i mean like you said like streamlining it yes it's a good movie but and critiquing, as you got to your your point, you did make me realize that when going, it's not just the main plot when we have to go through all those things. Um, I do think as an adult, you will probably notice those more than a child would. A child would just focus on, "Hey, girl, lost her parents. She's sad." Oh, these big bad capitalist people. That kids, capitalists, but These big bad capitalist people are trying to, you know, take over the town. Let's stop them. And the mm. kids will enjoy that, but yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, I think I would give it, mm,
2: I would give it uh
1: three out of five. I think it's fair. I do think all the other, all the heavy subject matter kind of did overbloat and distract them from actually making everything fit much more perfectly than it, than
2: it could have.
0: Mm. Yeah. Yeah, um, I am. I think I gave it like a two out of five stars. Um, yeah, I just, I just expected so much more from this, especially because all of like the raw material was so good. Like all of the elements that they had were so good, and I just don't feel like it was really used properly or used to its full potential, and. Um, And also the music, like when you think about some of these, I don't know how you felt about like the score and or the soundtrack because I know there were a lot of like rock songs. There were like a lot of songs that felt like it didn't fit for me tonally. But I also just feel like the music wasn't really giving an animation. Like the music is kind of like a huge and massive part of it. So I don't know.
1: I mean, this movie just was not for
0: me. I think
1: was more on the. Spooky, kind of rockish vibe. You know, yeah. The only the only song I did not recognize was "Cultural Personality." Um, when I guess when Ving Rhames' character came out of the ground. Um, and I do. I, the reason I give it a three out of five is because beyond those story elements, everything about this is perfect. Like the character design, the voice acting. Like we've mentioned, Harry uh, Henry and his career doing stop motion films. But I do feel like this project was probably the most smooth I've ever seen that being done. Like the fluidity a lot of those motions had, I was like, this, I thought it was like CGI computer animated, you know, until I realized, no, it's stop motion. Like it was really fluid and really well done. They did say they did put some, they did use some CGI for like the clouds and the background scenes, but it was, it's, it was really like so cleanly done. Like, top-notch done so yeah so so everything else saved my score except for the the story for the most part the score is the story is what (laughs) dropped it down by by two points so yeah
2: Mm -hmm. okay
1: um moving on to that this course uh happy halloween is we're in the midst of the spooky season no real shift i guess i would say from the box office i mean of course, you know everybody knows. Big surprise, Black Adam is still number one, um, and the Terrifier two, um, um, well, kills again, um, as they say, um. So total box office numbers so far, um, at number ten right now. Of course, it being technically its fourth week in theaters, even though it just started playing in theaters nationwide is tar, um, and that's due to this week it being in like. 100 percent more 100 percent more theaters than it initially was um like i think last week it was only at about like 10 or like 100 theaters this week it's they added about 950 more theaters so that's a nationwide distribution right there so that's currently sitting in on 10th uh woman king at ninth uh the terrifier two in its fourth week at eight uh la la crocodile at seven um emmett uh the movie till had probably the biggest jump in box office, going from thirteenth of last week to sixth. Um, it's on the same plan as Tar. It's just, this week. It's just major. This weekend was his major release. It had a. It's gross had a seven, uh, almost a seven hundred percent increase in gross, which is amazing. And it showed in about two thousand um, extra theaters as of um, recording. So that attribute it to its box office uh, run. I do think that the trepidation. I think was good with. What their release plan was a lot of predominantly black people were concerned about seeing a movie we already know and mm-hmm. the story behind it and we were also scared of you know seeing that violence but i do think the studio realizing that in the last couple days i've seen uh promotion chair for the movie and they're explicitly saying we are not showing any violence to M in this movie, and I do think that helps foot the per- perception. And so when they got their nationwide release, that's why they also had the slight influx of viewers. Because like us as black people, we're kind of culturally universally as much as black people in the mall. We're kind of tired of seeing you know black trauma. Mm-hmm. So I think I think that was good that they realized that they were, they had to go in course correct. It's like no, there is no violence. This is a story of a mother and their and her love for her child and her bravery and wanting to give his, have his body be shown to the public. Um, and so it, it worked out. I think, think when production companies, not production companies, when distributors release these movies, they kind of do need you think on that level of how does the perception of people's experience, how do we fix that in order to um, get the box office revenue we want. Um, number five is Halloween Ends, um, of course. It might pick up as a recording, it is Monday night. So between now and you know, probably Tuesday morning you guys listen to this throughout the week. It probably will change throughout the week. Um Smile is uh number four. Um same issue with Halloween. Pray for the Devil debuted another spooky season movie. Once again, um at number three, it might change as the weeks pro as we progress because Halloween Halloween movies only have like a two week shelf life and then you got Christmas movies. People skip over Thanksgiving. So mm-hmm. hopefully it works out for those three movies in the box office as they continue. Um, a Ticket to Paradise, which we talked about last week. Holding Steady at number two. And Black Adam, of course, at number one. But although it had a 70, almost a 60% difference in its total, um in its total um gross. um, not total, Yeah, this weekend gross. um So far, the movie globally has made about... Two hundred and fifty million dollars. So it's so it kind of did make the two the the two million mark. It needed to make up the box off the the budget. Um, so it made fifty so far, fifty million so far. Now it just needs to make probably about you know another hundred to recoup between not just Black Adam but also the production costs for Batgirl for this move by Warner Bros. Discovery to be deemed a success. Um that's it for domestic. Um international. It's kinda varied. Um the movies that are major majorly showing globally right now is number one globally. Um uh, you have Amsterdam, Mrs. Harris goes to Paris, see how they run, um, Ticket to Paradise, of course, Smile, uh Holly Got Poland has Halloween ends, and UK, Mexico, Australia, and Brazil uh all have black adam So it's a little a little more varied. Um kinda impressed to see Amsterdam do well internationally, um, but so hopefully, well, it was always going to do better internationally I think than domestically based on our assessment of Washington. Um, but that's it for the box office news.
0: Okay, on to the other news. Um, Liam Hensworth is going to take over as The Witcher from Henry Cavill, who currently plays in the title or the titular role. Um, And I think this is because Henry Cavill is coming back as Superman. So I don't know if this was like an official or maybe like a subtle kind of discussion or announcement of like, I can't do the role because I will be doing a Superman movie. Like, I don't know if that was explicitly or or overtly said. I don't
1: know, um, because I do know the issue during the last couple of weeks or the month or so. Um especially being revealed that Henry Cavill when he like does these projects, like he he said he missed one casting call because he was playing like either League of legends or world of all Like Henry Cavill is mm. like a, a buff ass nerd. Like let's let's, yeah, he let's be honest, he he's he's a, a big ass. Like he said, he's like, Yeah, I almost missed my casting call. I didn't believe him, so I went back to playing my video games. Mm. And so he's mentioned before he loves these these products, like and there was uh, stories coming out before that writers in the writer's room didn't really care about the subject matter of uh the witcher of hmm. that universe and so as an actor knowing how much you love that universe and the character of gerald and how much you brought into it and i think one of the producers who left mentioned yeah you had writers when we meant when people mentioned stuff they'd scoff and laugh so that as you want your actor to be invested in a project and i think that played a factor in I think this would have happened beyond the disney stuff not disney had yeah, the um superman stuff mm. so yeah it's it's one of those issues where the actors feels like the people he's working around don't value the project as much as he does so i don't in that sense blame him at all
0: yeah no i totally i totally get that and it's... Yeah, I, I I I thought it was because of the other thing, but now that you said that, that totally makes sense of like why you wouldn't want to continue to do the role, especially because I think if we know anything about Henry Cavill is that like he is very knowledgeable about these things and he does care very deeply about the fantasy and comics and stuff like he's very into that. So he probably wanted to uphold the integrity of the story. And I guess the people around them were not doing that. But now Liam Hemsworth is going to do it, which is interesting. I don't know if I would, isn't that coming, but no. Okay. <laughs> okay. I
1: mean, the only thing Liam has going for him right now is if they ever do a movie on Prince Harry, he's got that role locked in because he's a doppelganger for it. But I don't think Liam has ever had one of those roles where you yeah, could see him as a person carrying the show. Mm. like he Hunger Games was I think his biggest profile thing and he was there for bits and I think the same thing with Independence Day the most recent Independence Day I think, resurgence but that movie was a mess from the beginning and I do I I don't think they probably I don't think them am announcing that he's he's going to be replaced by Liam Hemsworth was a good idea because I, I, like honestly the fan the fan reaction is not a good one. Oh, what's the fan reaction? The same, the same points I've made. Like it's, like, oh okay, it's like you're, like you're going from, like think of, you're going from Henry Cavill to Liam Hemsworth, you know, that's like two, like you they might have given the pass. It was Chris Hemsworth. They might have said, yeah, okay, I, see that. <laughs> I can see that. But you give it to the brother who doesn't really act in anything. Whose claim to fame was being a Miley Cyrus, you know? So,
0: you know what? It would have actually. Well, I don't really know because I'm not in the Witcher fan base. Yeah. But I think the, the other brother, Luke Hemsworth, might have done a good job. He was in Westworld and yeah. a couple other things. He might have been able to fulfill the role. I don't yeah. know. I don't see Liam with the, like, white wig. I don't see that. But yeah. I'm wondering so- what the, the um, conversations were that went into <laughs> choosing him. Because he really, he really hasn't done much since you know, since Independence Day, as you stated. Yeah. So,
1: mm, so hope, hopefully insane. it, you know, works out for them. I don't see it working out because I, I do feel like this coming fourth season or whatever season it is going to be on. Like, mm-hmm. the drop in, like, was going to be a drastic drop and the fourth season is probably going to be his last season. So they better make it a good, tie up any story threads because I don't think it's getting a fifth season. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah um so on more you know casting news uh um i don't i i i don't want to butcher his first name. Yaha, y'all look at the correct yeah name. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah
1: yeah Abdul yeah. Matin. i know i got the last name It's just okay. i yeah, yeah, Abdul Matin. my second okay the second okay, mm-hmm. the second. okay. Yes. um he's <laughs> in talks to start studio series one. Of course, you know he's 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 gonna join the ranks of you know um, Ryan on um, the yeah wow dang why did I forget his name, you know Green Lantern Deadpool is gonna join those ranks you know oh. Ben Affleck and stuff playing double dipping in both DC and Marvel mm. um he talks to play Wonder Man um Wonder Man is of course a uh, a Marvel superhero it's kind of it's kind of weird that they announced this because. And and it's funny he's one of those characters I don't think a lot of non-cartoon fans know because the thing with ya ya is he's a black man Wonder Man as a is depicted as a white man
2: mm-hmm. so
1: I don't think it's gonna get the negative reaction these race changers and casting get until you know these white nerds you know realize oh this guy's actually supposed to be a white guy this is you know blah 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 blah, blah that when they get there in their mood. Um, mm-hmm. And I heard, I did hear some black people saying there are other black superheroes in Marvel that you could play now that we don't have, you know, um, um, ooh, ooh, bleh, bleh, bleh. now we don't have, uh, Black Panther, we don't have, um, Jack of playing and Panther, there are other black heroes you could play in Marvel. So I do, I do get the black side of it, but I'm, I don't really care. I, I don't, I don't think the, um, race of characters, if it's not in, in to their, their story, Race shouldn't matter for the most part. Wonder man's race is not integral to the story. So um I'm in shit. Can't say what can't wait to see what he does. Um, so yeah.
0: Yeah, good for him. Okay. Um, our last story is celebrities are saying that they're quitting Twitter as Elon Musk takes over. Um, I know there are a bunch of celebrities who have already quit Twitter um because he because during that whole acquisition of Twitter with Elon Musk and the original owners of it, there were people who were like, nah, I'm out of here. If he, if he actually buys the company and he did, Mm -hmm. and um, people are not okay with it. A lot of people are leaving. Shonda Rhimes has, has jumped ship. Um, Other, I think one of the, this is us creators have also left, but then you have people on the other side who are saying no, day Like we need like people to defend, I don't know our side or our perspective, which is I guess a left more or less perspective of it. I mean, people are going to be on Twitter no matter what. So these celebrities leaving doesn't really mean much. Like I feel like people, their people are still going to use the platform. Um, I am deeply concerned about what that platform is going to be now that um, Elon Musk is. In charge because Elon Musk is a freaking mess, and he's trying to charge people for their verifications. And he's already saying like a bunch of mess. Um, Nancy Pelosi, who's um, the Speaker of the House in America, if you're listening to this from a different country, um, her husband was attacked earlier this week, and Elon Musk had something to say about that, which was very anti queer but it wasn't even true it was just like a rumor a that was going theory, on yeah, yeah that was going around and he retweeted that and people are afraid like if he's on it then he's going to bring people like donald trump back and kanye back and i mean he probably will so i don't know i've already i kind of i kind of left twitter a long time ago but i just feel like now this is going to be a really different kind of platform because he's in charge and i feel like as Business owners, like, and I know in Silicon Valley, their mindset is very different. Like, they don't really care about like <laughs> what, like ethical stuff. They're very money minded over there. Yeah. So I'm sure they were just like, "Oh, your price is the highest that you're gonna bid for this company. Fine, take it." Like they they don't care about the implications yeah. of
1: what this means, obviously, and, or else they and, wouldn't have sold it to him. So, and and that's part of the issue with him deciding to buy it because he ran his mouth and said he was gonna buy it. And you went through the whole process trying to do a pump fake, like, look, I was going to buy it. And then they say say no. And then I think guys behind Twitter are like, no, we're going to see you if you back out from this. So he's like, well, fuck, I got, now I got to buy it. Um, I do think, um, the, like in the, in the last couple days of him just owning Twitter, the increase in like racist stuff, like jumped up to an astronomical level. Um, I do think um one, I don't think Elon is not the smartest guy in the world. Um, I do think <laughs> he's probably a better he's a better marketer than anything else. Mm-hmm. Um like every every all the companies he has, he didn't really start, he invested in it, hopped in and bought out the other owners. Like Tesla wasn't him, it was the guys from Google. Mm-hmm. Um so um I do think and Twitter doesn't make its money on people doing subscriptions so that like all these social media platforms make their money on ads
2: mm-hmm. and
1: if it comes to a point where stuff is so toxic where you have a mass excess of people you're also going to have those advertisers leave as well especially considering a lot of the, the most negative stuff kind of is toward black people and let's be honest the way this country moves as far as how marketing works a lot of these successful ad campaigns take their cues and influence from Black influencers and creators on Twitter. Yeah. So that source of how do I get this late? What's trending? I don't know what's trending because the target audience you kind of either target to and culture vulture from them are no longer on the platform. A lot of these companies are like, why am I going to you know pay for ads for this? And then he's also talking about charging um, $20 a month for a blue check. There's also issues with... That of all these celebrities who have already been verified and given their status are free, you're going to have the opportunity for people to pay $20 a month. That and the issue we've already had issues with, um, uh, people. A lot of people don't know how to cite their sources on the internet, like we know we, we know how to cite sources because what we we're taught in school. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of these people they say, Oh, I saw it on the internet, so it's facts. So now you're going to have that, and you're going to have a bunch of people spreading fake news with a verified check mark which is going to create a whole can of worms that a lot of people don't want to deal with. So all those ethical issues and the money side of it, I don't think um, it'll last for Elon. I think it's going to last like a year or two. And at that point, Twitter is probably going to be devalued drastically enough for him to say, Oh, I want to sell it to somebody else and try to recoup or whatever loss he incurred or only be able to get back, get it back at market value so we'll see how that
0: goes yeah and also like you have tiktok and instagram which are two big competitors so if i was him i would watch my steps because people are already on those platforms probably a lot more than they are on twitter yeah um that's all i'm saying i would i would tread carefully anyway so time for our weekly recommendations um dale what did you
1: watch um I watched um well two. I'm a big like sci-fi and also I am I'm a gamer. I finally got to watching and, um of course if you play video games uh so Cyberpunk and anime. Um I I enjoyed it. Of uh, kind of have a little bit of issues with the story. Um I do think the main character is a character who's poorly written. Well not poorly written, but a character didn't resonate with me because he's not in control of anything. He catches onto everybody's dreams. Um, which they didn't really say that's a major character flaw in the movie. Everybody kind of accepted it. But um, I also did watch "Decision to Leave," which is a South Korean um picture. Um, mm-hmm. it is currently in still running. Not, it's one of the in run in the running for um, selection to be the best, one of the best international film features for this upcoming Academy Academy Award. So, like, it's so good, like so so good, like like. If I didn't live in the States, I'd like I'm I knew South Korea, man. People <laughs> there like like they're on another level over there. Like it's the story of a detective and of course if you if anybody listening to the podcast has ever watched Luther kind of follows that kind of thread, but it's so much more well done and it's so beautiful. The acting on it is 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 amazing. Um, if it doesn't make the list for um, best international feature all the other movies if it doesn't get shortlisted for it all those other pictures need to be amazing because um, only two I've watched so far in that list are all of a all of Summer on the German front which is also on that list it's currently on Netflix and this movie so yeah it's a beautiful movie if you get anybody gets opportunity to watch it they should so yeah That's
2: good
0: um I watched Two things. Well, one real movie. Um, Corpse Bride, Mm -hmm. Tim Burton's Corpse Bride with um, Johnny Depp and Helena Bonham Carter. I love this movie. It was so good. I watched it again with my best friend and we, we wanted to watch some spooky stuff for spooky season before it was over. And I really liked this. I think the stop motion animation that's like, in this film is wonderful. Like, I don't know, maybe because there's so much CGI now that like, that's mostly all you see when it comes to live action superhero movies, like all, like most of what you're seeing is if it's not like an intimate drama, it'll be like some CGI stuff. And it's so refreshing (laughs) to just see something that like took care or like there was so much care and attention put to it. I'm not saying that people who work on those things don't do that. I'm just saying like it's nice to have a to have kind of like a, um a moment to appreciate this the the art that is stop motion animation because it's just it looks so good. And like that gothic, that Southern gothic tone that is struck that Tim Burton does a lot. I also watched like a little a mini, um, deep dive on Tim Burton and like his entire career and all that other stuff. And the themes that he kind of, kind of goes back to a lot. And this was definitely representative of that, but it was so, I don't know. I just loved looking at it. Like the characters, the way they move just in the entire world of it looked great. Um, it's a movie that I wanted to watch for a long time because, During Halloween, the Corpse Bride is, like, one of the most, like, done Halloween costumes. And I thought I liked the style of it. And people were, like, doing fan castings of, like, who they would want to play for, like, the live action. If they ever made a live action movie of this, I hope they don't. But I was hearing a lot of those conversations. So I was very interested in this movie. And I really loved the story. I thought it was really well done. Just everything. The only thing I didn't love was the music. Not that it was bad, but when you the Nightmare Before Christmas just had a in music. It had better original music. It had a better score, I think. So it it kind of wins on that on that front. But other than that, I think everything else was very well done um, in this movie. And it's definitely a movie that you can go back and watch. Again and again, it has a nice rewatchability to it. I think so. That was very good. And then I watched oh a video commentary by a YouTuber called or a YouTuber that is called the Royal Ocean Film Society. I haven't watched any of their videos before, but they did this really well. This really great video on the visual effects crisis. And it really, first of all, it completely educated me on like what actually happens when you're doing stuff like VFX, like CGI, stuff like that. But also, it hasn't been good for some movies. Namely, Thor, Love and Thunder was a huge one people had a lot of issues with. And I think I've said on this podcast many times, like, Marvel Disney, you have too much money to be not having good VFX or, or um, CGI. And oh. I didn't realize that actually what's going on is that these companies are paying out like they're paying houses like visual effects houses companies to do their VFX for them. Mm-hmm. And and I didn't know that. For some reason I thought it was all in-house, but that's not actually how it works. So it's just a really, first of all, the visuals in this video is so good. Like, it's just really, it's so accessible. It's really um, just aesthetically nice to look at. <laughs> but he kind of breaks down, like, what has transpired over the years since we started using these kind of things in cinema. And basically, he was saying, he was saying like, earlier, like, uh, during Spider-Man, like the, fir- like, the original trilogy, they were only having, like, maybe eight kind of visual effects studios who were doing it. And now for like No Way Home or not No Way Home, Far From Home, which one is the last one? No Way Home, Far From Home?
1: I think it's Far From Home for Spider-Man. Far From Home? Yeah. Doesn't matter. The last Spider-Man movie.
0: The last (laughs) Spider-Man movie. Yeah, exactly. They had like 12. Which Um, is like a huge increase. And so... They were just talking, he was just talking about, like, how these people who are working on it aren't, they're not delivering on what maybe we are expecting of them because they're not getting paid Well, the hours they're working are ridiculous, like, absolutely ridiculous hours to be asking anybody to be working on last minute changes because directors who don't, like, because there's so many different companies working on these things, are not connected on the ground of like what's happening. And they're just like, okay, well, I just want this change. And I just want to reshoot this, but not realizing that these reshoots take so many months. And I remember when we were talking about cats, you were also discussing the fact that like, they were making fun of the fact that the visual effects are bad, but the people who actually worked on it, like that's a huge slap in the face of them and all the work that they did. And they just played it off for, as a joke. And he made, a, he made a similar comment about what Taika Waititi had done yeah. when he was talking about Thor Love and Thunder. Like, oh, does this look real? And she was like, no, Tessa Thompson. But it's like, you don't realize that these people are like, <laughs> they're, they're doing their best. Like, they're really trying to get this out for you. And you're making fun of them and not paying them well because they are below the line workers. It made me so angry. And honestly, it makes me not even want to invest in Marvel because what he was saying was like, People aren't coming to these movies necessarily for like the actors who are playing them. They're coming because of the big properties. Yeah. Yeah. They want to see, you know, what was that movie? Godzilla versus Kong. They want to see those things. They don't care that Millie Bobby Brown is there. Like that's not why people are like showing up to the box office. So it's like, you can have the box office successes. You can get the Oscars, but these people are still not getting their fair due. And it's, but yet, all of the money and the revenue was is relying so heavily on the work that they're providing and i thought that was so fascinating but also just so enraging because it's like how y'all gonna treat people like this and then still expect them to like turn out great things for you i just i hate it i hate it's, that
1: is the issue with you know not paying these vfx houses in hollywood has been an ongoing issue for the last i will say 10 15 years um I remember when Life of Pi won because he talked about that yeah yeah mm-hmm. um, they won and then a couple like months later they closed up their production house because they ran out of money. Um, I don't know if deep like a lot of what a lot of people don't know about these VFX houses is if you if anybody is um remember the movie with Miles Teller um and um dang what's his name um Miles Teller and um Jonah Hill war dogs where there are oh, a bunch okay. of like highest college guys who get in bed with the u.s government by bidding to sell arms to people and they only they won because they put forth the lowest bid that is usually how a lot of these fx houses make money so you have all these small fx houses and the reason why there are so many now is because the access to these technologies has gotten easier i have like i have after Effects, I have a Blender. I have like everybody, like anybody can get them. I'm learning how to use them, but because it's easy, acts, so anybody can kind of learn, become good at it. You know, re- Unreal Engine on a consumer level, these are, these programs are usually honestly free, so everybody can kind of pick it up. Um, but so that's why all these UFX houses have sprung up, and so they're all competing with each other, and they say the only way I can get this contract is if I put forth the smallest bid. And so you have these people who are putting in like almost 80 hour work weeks trying to get stuff done. And but Marvel does, Marvel has Marvel's pipeline is so bloated with content, not just cinematically now, but also on Disney Plus, that they were even talking about when they were doing um Avengers Endgame, that this is in production of the movie that they said they don't know what certain characters' suits are going to look like because they're working on so many products at the same time. So if you watch behind-the-scenes footage of that movie, I think the scene where they're, before they actually did a time travel thing, the white suits they're wearing, because at the time, Disney, the Disney the, the production company was like, yeah, we don't know what these suits are gonna look like. They only put the tracking dots on there so the FX team can get, so they can actually do the, the, the designers, the actual company, a design, they want the suits and FX team to throw it in there. Like, they're like, um, I really like, and that's the thing, I think Disney and both Marvel are trying to pump out these projects because as long as they're in line, like, because people's viewing patterns change, like Hollywood's changed. You went from you know, cowboys and, and Indians to mobster gangster movies, you know, we're in a current superhero revival. So they're trying to capture that audience in a short window to the detriment of the people working on those things. I do think Marvel would probably still have the same amount of success if they stretch these projects out over a longer prolong over a longer free time. Because like, it's what five Marvel movies a year it comes mm. out to. And those movies are shot like it takes like three months to shoot a movie. And then it takes visual effects, takes another like two to three months. But then they're working on five movies at the same time, back to back to back. Um, and that was also the issue people had initially with, I think, Sonic.
2: The first mm. Sonic movie
1: when it came out. Everybody saw the trailer. Everybody was like horrible. And of course, you know. The production was like, yeah. People aren't gonna watch the movie because our our design is shit. And I do think probably in that thought process, there was some probably some old old white guy was like, "Yeah, this design makes sense; it works." And Everybody else was like, "No, make him look like he was and what the fans would want." And powers and be said that. And then they went back when they got the negative reaction because it would hurt their pocketbook. So that means some FX company had to sit there miss family events and redo a whole movie to make up for a mistake. So it's yeah i i honestly i do think i understand the issue cuz it's like us like everybody is working and it it would be into their benefit to just have a boycott just like Stop working Marvel movies, like, and there are individuals in the industry, like people I've talked to personally, who's like, "Yeah, I'm no, I'm not working on like this Marvel movie at all because I'm gonna go through hell and stuff like that." So I do think, if industry wide, all these ethics companies, like, yeah, Marvel, if you want this done, you got to make your own F- in-house FX company and run mm-hmm. them to the ball, You know, so we'll see. Like, I think, I think that time is is coming, especially as Marvel like announces like four more projects this week. So. Yeah.
0: yeah, it's really, it was such an eye opening thing to like understand of what was going on behind the scenes. And I just hate the fact that these studios, because it was Marvel, but it was also st- in studios like Netflix who are just like pushing people to their breaking points. Like saying that working like 60 something hours a week was a good week like that was an easy week for some of these people It's ridiculous. Like that's just a horrible environment, but also it's like these are big moves. I mean, I don't know how much they're making, but it seems like if you work with some of these companies, you do get a good amount of money and that's better than not having any. (laughs) Like I can, I completely understand like why they wouldn't kind of just step out and, you know, not be a part of it anymore. But I think, some things that the person who, who this video was mentioning was that unionization could be really beneficial to them. Getting paid back end would be very beneficial for them as well. And then also just having like a more structured pre-production to so where like, we know what's going to happen. So we know what, what we need to do because that was one of the issues. Like they would have one of the pers- people who worked on the Life of Pi had mentioned that There was a vision for the movie and then halfway through like
2: the director just changed
0: it so now you have to go back and do all of that again plus whatever the new changes need to come back or to come in so it's like i don't like that i don't like it because It's so annoying because these things are so important in terms of how you make movies and the fact that we only give credit to like the director and the actors when there are so many other people who are are involved in these things it just makes me upset how hollywood treats like the people who work in the industry like it makes you not want to do it because it's like come on guys like you would not have a movie if not for these folks like you just wouldn't
1: i i really wish like that's why i hate when these award shows say like oh editing sound design costume and makeup all those blue line yeah we're gonna reveal those off Starting camera, the camera over, and the commercial break and tell you who won like it's it's like because as a, as a fellow below the line worker it's it's like you you don't respect my work enough to award the effort i put into it i do think um what i would do if i had the power i would say i would make especially those the best film the best picture winners i'm not letting director or producers accept those awards. I'm done. that award i want all the below the line people the screen accepting that award because without the below line people your, your grandpa department, your grip your, your rigors all those people that movie does not get done right. you can say all you want about a director and a producer you know producer getting the fun director you know putting what he sees on the storyboard and on the script to put his own touch on it You you nothing gets thrown out the work that caught like like as bad as you know as um was without the work from the, the makeup department and stuff like that, and getting in the costume from getting error-specific costumes, hairstyles, and all that stuff, you know, as much as we we don't, as much as we didn't make, you know, for the people behind the scenes to put effort to make it look like shot, error-specific, those editors actually going back and actually putting extra grain in those scenes, none of that movie, movie that directors get credit for, don't, don't get done with all your belonging line workers. So,
0: yeah, anyways, there are solutions out there, but that really, that made me, that made me mad. And I had to bring it here because I was like, yo, this is ridiculous. Like, this is ridiculous. Anyway, Uh, that's it, (laughs) (laughs) that is it from us this week. We hope that you're taking care of yourself, have a great week, and hope you guys had a great halloween Had fun ate candy went to a party that was in your plans (laughs) um and um, make sure to check out all of our social media support us if you can and we will see you guys in the next episode goodbye